This podcast is sponsored by ebookit.com, self-publishing solutions for the independent author and small press. Visit us today at ebookit.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin. And I'm Ryan Levesque. Ryan, when I think about today's topic, I can hear the words of my grade four elementary school teacher. Young man, I don't like the tone of your voice. Now, I'm sure this wasn't what she was thinking, but mastering your tone effectively can really impact any kind of vocal delivery. And our guest today is here to enlighten us on all things tone. Ryan, who are we speaking with today? Today's guest is Jillian Mitchell. Jillian is a vocal coach, recording artist, vodcast host, writer, and all-around voice advocate. She is the founder of Voxana, an online platform dedicated to voice empowerment. Jillian lives in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. With her husband and two children, she wrote an article published in the April 2023 issue of the Toastmaster magazine. It's called Tone It Up, How to Use Your Voice for Powerful Effect. Jillian Mitchell, welcome to the Toastmasters podcast. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is, this is my very first interview, so I'm so excited. Yeah. We're excited too. And nervous, oh a little bit nervous. <laughs> we are kind and gentle hosts. It'll be I a see good that. time. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Jillian, as Toastmasters, we talk a lot about this concept called vocal variety. To help frame our conversation, can you start out by sharing with us what you're referring to as vocal tone and perhaps what you understand to be its relationship to vocal variety? Yeah. So this is a really good one because tone is a word with so many meanings. But in this context, I mean the quality of sounds that you're making. So the color or the timbre of your voice. So it's not necessarily, oh, you know, I have an angry tone. It's not the emotional intent behind what you're saying. It's the actual sounds we make. So for example, a flute has a certain tone and a trumpet has a certain tone. And you can recognize the two because they're different tones. So the quality of sounds is what we're talking about with tone, whereas vocal variety and melody and things like that is the way in which you play your instrument. That's interesting because we often think of the tone as the nonverbal side of it, the attitude, the mm-hmm. emotions, the feeling, yep. but you're saying it's, it's more of the, of the physical. And I find that quite fascinating because you're right. There seems to be so many different elements of the word tone. Now, before we get into that a little bit more, in the article, you mentioned that tone is quickly becoming one of the vocal industry's hottest topics. And I'm just wondering, how so? What do you think has been the catalyst for this? Well, I think we're all, you know, learning about the voice and taking public speaking courses and things. And certain people are shining more than others. And so we have to go, okay, what's, what's different? What's going on? And what's happening in the vocal world right now is we're really connecting singing and speaking. And I don't know that that's ever really happened to this degree before. And so everything we learn about voice and singing, we're starting to bring to our speaking voice as well, because it's the same instrument, it's the same muscles. And I always liken it to speaking is like walking where singing is like running. So if you're really good at running, you're probably pretty great at walking, right? And so we're making those connections and there's a lot more celebrity vocal coaches making those leaps into speaking voice studies as well. Roger Love is a really big one right now in in the world of speaking. He's made that shift. He taught a lot of people. Um, he worked on Walk the Line, Star is Born for the voice. But then, you know, he went and now he's teaching everyday people how to use their speaking voices a little bit more 
accurately and unblocked. So because we have voices like that saying these things in the public eye, now everybody's kind of shifting, in, at least in my world, to connecting the dots and bringing tone conversation to the speaking voice as well. Yeah. Hmm. I was thinking it might have something to do with all these reality shows or movies that yeah. are coming up that's bringing this concept to the forefront. Yeah. It could, it could very well be too. I feel like a lot of people are talking about voices and with the advent of podcasts and audiobooks, like, you know, there's reasons why we want to listen to certain voices and not others. And it's nothing against that particular person. It's just our brain favors open and clear sounds, right? So it's, you know, whoever you want to read a bedtime story to you, that would be a clear indication of you really like that open and clear voice. And that's a preference of yours. So I think we're all just trying to kind of learn a little bit more in this industry about how can we make our voices as effective as we can and more so the most authentic expression of who we are. Jillian, you just mentioned the word preference and that makes me wonder, is what you would call good tone something that is objective or is it a matter of preference or opinion? That's so good. So both and what, what our brain favors is open and clear sounds. That's it's there's lots of research to prove that when something's blocked, we kind of sense something's off. We may not notice that we sense something's off, but we just we kind of notice that maybe we don't want to listen as much. It might not even be conscious. We, we don't want to listen as much as to something that's open and clear because that indicates less survival mode. So if something's shut down, fight or flight kind of shuts down our voice a little bit. So mm. that's where you get the nerves in public speaking. It shuts down your voice a little bit. And there's things you can do around that. So it's not definitely a state of perfection we're aiming for. When it comes to personal preferences, that's a thing as well. Because, you know, we don't all like the same bands, right? We, we don't like all the same singers. That's where the personal preference comes in. Yeah. Interesting. So we're dancing around this concept of tone, but I'm curious, could you perhaps give us some examples of well-known individuals that have great tone and what makes them great? Ooh, this is a good one. Again, great is subjective. So let's mm. just talk about open and clear voices and some okay. of the examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good because there's so much to this. A lot of folks get a little worried that, oh, oh, am I a great voice? It's like, yes, every single voice on the planet if we take the word good, great, and, and bad out of the conversation, every single voice can be open, free, and clear. We've just learned habits from our uh, childhood, from the speakers around us, whether it's our parent figures or teachers or even shows we're watching, of how to use that voice. Good habits and bad habits, if you will, if we're using those two words. So when it comes to voices that I'm going to label here, it's not necessarily that they are any better than anybody's. They've just figured out how to use their instrument. So Sean Connery, even though he, you know, his accent is very strong, his voice is very open. And we all love to do that voice. Why? Right. <laughs> you know, Diane Sawyer would be another one. Morgan Freeman is another. Ooh, he's yeah. a really great voice, right? Sir Patrick Stewart, right? Uh, Meryl Streep has a really great voice. Oprah Winfrey, come on. It's not necessarily a cultural background or male versus female. It's how can you use your voice? And it's very important right now to say that you don't always have to use your most open and free voice all the time because there are actors and comedians that make successful careers out of crazy sounds, right? And so what we're talking here is find your base. Your base is your most open and free sound and play, play, play. I can't help but ask... <laughs> Jillian, 
the flip mm. side, not that I'm asking you to call anyone out, but are there people who come to mind that are famous celebrities that tend to have a more blocked voice yes. as their baseline? And who, who might that be? So the, two of the really most famous ones I'm going to bring up is uh, Sylvester Stallone, who has mm. a very mouth dominant resonance. It's very, it's almost like he has a cold all the time, which we love. So no, no judgment there. We love it uh, for <laughs> right. a different reason. And it, and it also too, for actors, they have to reflect certain areas of the world. And in certain areas of the world, you learn to talk differently. Maybe that's a little bit more nasal in Brooklyn, whereas it's a little bit more mouth resonance in other areas of New York, right? So Sylvester is one, and also Fran Drescher. She's made a very, very great career on being super nasal. And I think these people just kind of uber exaggerate the qualities of the characters that they're playing, the qualities of those locales that those characters are from. And we kind of like that over exaggeration in acting a little bit. So that's why it works for them. Ryan and I were talking earlier about the nanny. Ryan's a little younger than I am, so he probably didn't <laughs> remember the show. <laughs> Although you're quite young as well, but uh, she was famous for that. being the nanny. Yep. She used to say, Mr. Sheffield, Mr. Sheffield. Yeah, no. And I found uh, her really, really irritating. And of course, yeah. Sylvester just along with, yo, Adrian. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so those are exaggerations of tone. We need all those resonators to fire equally, if you will. So we need that nasal ping and we need that mouth, the dopiness of the mouth resonance. But the bass voice that we're talking is when they're all firing at equal balance. I was thinking of Gilbert Godfrey. Where does he fit in? That was another one I was going to say. Gilbert <laughs> is just, he's fabulous. Um, Christopher Walken is another one. Like he's got the most interesting way of talking even, but people are drawn to it because it's so different. And, and this is where it actually serves you as an actor or a musician because we want that play from you. We don't necessarily want a, just an open and free tone from start to finish on the song. Unless maybe you're singing opera or something like that, where we actually do want that open and free same tone all the way through. But as an artist, we need expression. We need that emotion come through. And that does require us to play with tone. Also differentiates them as well. Yes, sir. That's right. It's, it's your unique sound print in your equivalent of a fingerprint. There's no two voices alike. To your point also, Jillian, Greg was doing some research before we began recording on Gilbert Godfrey and turns out his regular speaking voice is quite unremarkable <laughs> from what we found <laughs> and that the voice we associate with him is very much a what would you call it a, a character or an exaggeration really i see i find that fascinating i want to i want to look into him because his voice is one of the most interesting voices and i know he's putting it on but i i don't know that i've ever heard his everyday voice that he mm. would talk to his family in yeah Apparently it's quiet and shy. <laughs> oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. We need those character voices to feel a little less vulnerable, if you will. Yeah. Sometimes you mentioned that the tone of preference is just, is personal. And I noticed that in the article, you gave six examples and three of them were U.S. based and the other three were U.K. You mentioned Sean Connery, Dame Judi Dench, and Sir Patrick Stewart. And I'm just curious, is there something about the UK voices that sort of works for you? Like, what is it that just resonates? Mm, that's such an interesting question. So when I wrote this article, I didn't realize how North America centric I was when I gave the initial examples. They were all North American actors and actresses. I realized, okay, I've got some more work to do. I need to open my ears to more voices 
And these particular ones were the ones that came to mind. And I actually also Googled, like, what are the favorite voices of, of the masses? Because let's find out what it is. And Morgan Freeman was like number one to a lot of folks. So it showed me where I have more learning to do as well. But particularly, we always love people with accents because we don't have them. And so it's very interesting to the ear. So that would be what I would say is the draw to the UK voices. We really like different sounds, but open sounds. So let's be clear that accents or vernacular is all totally cool in the tone conversation. We're talking about the, the flute versus trumpet. And then how you play those flute and trumpets is open for interpretation. Right. You could be uh, John Coltrane or Kenny G. <laughs> yep. You got it. You got it. So as long as your instrument's working and there's no like gum stuck in the flute, right? You know, <laughs> things like that, then then you've got it. Right. Jillian, can we dig in a little bit more to this distinction that we've been talking about between a free or open voice mm -hmm. and a blocked voice? Like what, how would you describe some of the qualities of an open voice versus a blocked voice? That's an awesome question. So I always preface this conversation with everybody can have a free open voice. So if, if I say these qualities and you go, oh my God, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. Oh no, it's totally okay. As I said, you may have found a, a side of your voice that you, you will want to file away as more of a fun, playful expression of your voice. Um, if it's more nasal, for example, that's not a bad thing. We need those tones sometimes. They actually, high tones, for example, cut through a crowd. So it, file that one away because those nasal pingy tones, you can hear that from a mile away. So, But the free voice qualities are usually, and I will, I will read you off a little list here that I have, warm, bright. So again, nasal's not wrong, right? Supported, velvety, balanced, resonant, rich, powerful, melodic, and strong. Those can be aggravating if you're, you're not understanding what I mean by those. So that's where listening to voices might be a little bit easier to understand what I'm saying by those. But usually those are the qualities. Those are the base qualities of something that's working without any blocks. So if you think of an instrument, you would hear a lot of those same qualities, whereas if you you know, heard some pitch issues or, or, you know, maybe it was too breathy and you couldn't really hear the note from that flute. We know something's going awry in that instrument in terms of the bass way it's working, right? So these are those qualities. Whereas some of the blocked voice qualities, some little hints that you might be overusing some of the resonators or underusing some of the resonators, or perhaps holding your voice back on, a, on another level that you're not aware of, so there's no judgment, is nasal, like an overly Fran Drescher. Brassy or breathy, the Marilyn Monroe is a key that it's not quite working right. Again, she made a successful <laughs> career. So we don't want to judge it. We just want to know, okay, that might not be my everyday voice. Husky or raspy, barky, dopey, quiet. If you have problems being loud, that's usually a key indicator that something's being blocked. Because if you look at any baby, especially one on an airplane, they don't have any issues being loud, right? <laughs> um, so we all come into the world knowing how to do this. And then we learn habits that kind of block or shut down the voice a little bit. And we just have to unlearn. So then the last couple are weak. If you have a weak or an overly loud voice and you only talk super loud, we've lost a little connection between melodic play and, and volume play. And dull or flat is, would be the last one. Lots to think about, huh? <laughs> I'm asking myself, what's wrong with a dopey voice? I could be one of the seven dwarves. Oh, it's so cute. That's the Sylvester Stallone, where it sounds like you have a cold. 
Oh, right? oh I, I wondered what that one. Ah, to. yeah. See, yeah. these are all words that the singing world are like, oh, yeah, dopey, whatever. I know that. But again, if we bring these into the speaking world, we get a whole nother level of colors to understand and play with. Right. You notice it's not free voice equals X, Y, Z, like just one thing and blocked equals one thing. It's very open for interpretation. So there's nothing wrong with a dopey voice or a quiet voice. It's the degree at which it's quiet that impacts your presentation or whether it's dopey. I mean, I'm thinking, could you do the whole, it might be difficult to do an entire presentation in a dopey voice. <laughs> it might, it might be. And, and also too, with the blocked qualities, usually what we'll, we'll tell folks is if you're having voice issues, like if you're losing your voice a lot, or again, you have trouble being loud or resonant or heard, that's a really key indicator that something's being blocked. Jillian, as I read your article, I remembered back to, I'm going to date myself here. Uh, being a very, very young child and having a tape recorder and nice. recording onto a cassette tape, playing it back and having a moment of existential panic when I was like, whose voice is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded so strange. What is it about that phenomenon of hearing our voice played back sounding so different than we think it should? I love, love, love that you brought this up. This is a big one. So it is different. It, it, it sounds different because it is. When we speak, there's so many bones and muscles and tissues vibrating while we're listening, but on the inside, we're vibrating. So it is affecting what we're hearing as we do it. The only accurate way to hear your voice is to record and listen back because that's the sound print that you're putting out into the world. And that's what everybody else on the planet is hearing. So it's not to say that what you're hearing is wrong when you're talking, but if you want a more accurate representation, you're going to want to record your voice and listen back. And this is where the magic happens because we don't even know that we're not on board with our voice until we hear our outgoing voicemail and go, ugh, what's that? <laughs> right? right? And right. so the real magic is when you make friends with those sounds, then you start putting your voice out there even more and bolder and bigger and more confidently. At least in my experience, I've seen client after client when they figure out, okay, I just have to be okay with those sounds. Then they start to like those sounds. Then they start to really, if they're singing, they start to go, whoa, I can't believe I just did that. That's amazing. And that sense of competence in their instrument fuels their confidence. And then, I mean, the sky's the limit at that point, right? So it's really, it's a fun exploration. So Ryan, I, I encourage you to listen again to your voice and start to see, okay, what's actually working great? That's where I always ask clients to start is, what's working, right? What can we build on? What's working? Instead of, yuck, I don't like that. We need to get more constructive with our review of our voice. Objective and constructive. Yeah. No shame, though. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Even now, I'm, I'm just reminded of something a little bit later in life. As a teenager, I can remember comparisons that people gave me. A couple of people told me independently that my voice sounded a lot like Ferris Bueller. And mm -hmm. I had to go back and like watch Ferris Bueller. And then I, I heard it and could see the connection. There's this real nasal quality that I hear. And I'm not sure that was a compliment. So mm. I'm just curious what you might have to say. I mean, how do you perceive my voice? Well, first of all, I love your voice. Um, and second of all, we can maybe open it a little bit. So let's let's explore that. 
we have to get on board with the sounds we make in this world. And so voice love is top of mind for me. And if we start from a place of compassionate inquiry instead of judgment and shoulds, uh, this work is phenomenal. Hashtag voice love. Love it. Hashtag voice love. I love that you're asking these questions because that's the first step to getting the knowledge, right? So first of all, Matthew Broderick has a successful career. So congratulations on that analogy and comparison, <laughs> right? Why not? Uh, second of all, yeah, you know what? It's like a caricature. People are going to reflect back to you what they hear in your voice, like, but exaggerated. So it's not that you have a super nasal voice, but they're going to say, oh, there's this quality that I don't usually hear. And, and this is what it is. And so I'm going to give you this example because it's the best that I can find for what I'm hearing from you. So in terms of nasal, there, you know what? There's a, t there's a bit of nasality there, but it's not a bad thing because a lot of folks can't find their nasality. So that's the other flip side of this conversation, right? Um, Sylvester Stallone doesn't know where his nose is, right? He's <laughs> blocked it off. So you're ahead of the curve in that way. But what we want to do is if we're afraid of nasality or we, or we don't particularly like it, we want to correct it in our instrument. What we would do is check first our instrument is working from the ground up. So how is our breathing? Are our vocal cords coming together? Are we resonating in all the face chambers? So usually what happens is in nasal voices, we're not using our exhale efficiently. So if you hear a lot of this sound in your voice, this is vocal fry. And that means that we're not actually using breath support. We're just letting it like leak out of our vocal cords. Isn't that what happens when people are nervous too sometimes? Is yes. it, would that be vocal fry when it's... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. So when you are nervous, you are in fight or flight and the breathing kind of stops, right? You go... Mm. And you hold your breath and everything becomes tight. And so yeah. those nerves actually shut your voice down, right? It, you need to be quiet when you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger or T-Rex <laughs> or whatever's going on out there, right? So, right. but you also need to be able to scream. And so we've got both sides going on when we're nervous, right? We can scream mm. or we can shut down, right? The nerves are something that's going to shut down the voice. So it shuts down the breath. So what we want to do is really be conscious of, are we using the breath system efficiently. And there's some exercises that I put together with the Toastmasters article to show you how to do that. But basically what we want to do is make sure there's enough breath support to blow those vocal cords open and let them vibrate. So it can't be a not really trying like that. It has to be a you can really feel your belly in action. The breath starts first and then we look at, okay, what's going on in the face to block that nasal voice? So usually what's happening is the mouth is not open as it should be. So when we talk about speaking, don't worry, we're not going to have a huge like Broadway stage voice mouth, but we are going to drop the jaw a little bit. So if the voice is overly nasal, that means that the air has nowhere to go but out the nose. So we need to drop the jaw and then make sure the breath system back there is supporting the sound from the ground up so we don't hear a lot of vocal fry. And typically, those two distinctions are going to really open the voice up. So if you think of a nasal voice as a speaker system, and you've only got the highs turned up in your song, you have access to the mids and lows too, but we just need to turn that dial a little bit. And that's what looking at your breath will do. And that's what opening the mouth will do. Those are two really quick things that you can do. But again, the number one thing you want to do is make friends with your voice, right? And know that there's somewhere to go and get curious and playful with it. Now, Jill, you're suggesting that we could help ourselves by changing the tone. But how about those folks who feel that if I change the tone, that it's not really me, like it's fake, it's, it's just not sincere? 
Mm-hmm. That's actually a very, very common concern that I get from probably all of my clients. And I, I know I'm qualifying, but I would say all of them because we're so wanting to be authentic in this world and not looked at and judged and shamed for any reason. And so sounding fake is very threatening. And it actually, when we change the voice, we're actually suggesting we're changing a sense of self. The voice and the sense of self are very tied together. And so it does feel very threatening. Even to have someone read my article and suggest that their voice could be different could feel very threatening and very, oh, oh, I don't want any part of that. And you know what I mean? So we really need to be coming at this work with that and realize that we're not changing you. We're unblocking your voice. So you may have learned a lot of habits from your childhood influencers, I call them. So that's your parent figures, your teachers, your, the media, the shows you watch, the actors that you're watching at the time, your culture and the people around you. You may be learning a lot of things about tone or the color of your voice, not necessarily how you speak or the words you use, but the color of your voice. And some of those habits may be shutting it down. So we talked about vocal fry. A lot of people don't breathe when they talk, right? So that's part of it as well. Or the overly nasal, that's part of it as well. So what you've learned is to use maybe, if I put it this way, half of your instrument, three quarters of your instrument, and we want to know what is it like to use the full gamut. So just as you would build muscle and that, you know, you're not, not you, you're just you with some muscle and, you know, you're building on what can my body do? What is my full expression of this muscle? Awesome. Cool. I could build some muscle. Same with your voice, right? Or your haircut, you know, you get a new haircut and it doesn't mean it's less you or more you. It's just, this is the expression of me today. And um, it's still me, but I'm, I'm having fun and I'm playing. In the voice sense, we just want to make sure that your voice print, your sound print in this world is as open as it can be because the brain favors those kinds of sounds. So we really want to make sure that, hey, you know, I want to maximize that instrument to its full potential too. And I want to build that muscle. Who would have thought there were so many aspects to tone? And I think we've just scratched the surface. In the article, Jill, you mentioned that you have some exercises on your website, and we'll certainly put a link to that in the show notes. But I'm wondering if you could perhaps maybe share one with us. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I'm actually going to share one about the vocal fry because I, in my world, we tend to demonize the vocal fry and it's actually going to work to your benefit. So what that is, this sound, uh, it's pretty scary and you'll hear it a lot in voices that aren't breathing. No, no judgment there. We all do it, especially if we're tired, we stop breathing, but you can actually use the vocal fry to your advantage in your exercises. So what that is, is the sound of your vocal cords coming together in the cleanest way possible without a lot of air and sound behind them. So it, it sounds kind of weird, but that's what they're doing. If we think of them like a zipper, the zipper has been zipped up with no holes in it, right? And so that's a really good way, a good base of how to put the voice together from the ground up. So what I would suggest to people is to try the vocal fry as just a little bit of a warm up. So in the exercise I have is called the squeaky or creaky door, whichever you want to call it. And we build on the vocal fry, little bits of it. A lot of anything is not good for the voice. Little bits, totally cool. So we build on this vocal fry exercise and then we understand how we want the vocal cords to come together when we're speaking. So this is a really good fix for breathy voices, for example, if we're having a lot of breathiness in our voice clear indicator that our vocal cords aren't actually connecting properly, how they were designed. So this is, again, breathy is a cool color to play with if you're, you know, exploring color. 
but your bass sound is not this voice, right? Your bass sound would be the voice I'm using now. So here's the squeaky door. And we take the vocal fry and we just go up a little bit in pitch and down as if we're opening a squeaky door. Uh, uh, and then we close it. And we, we take a break and then we do two more of those. And it just really thins out the cords. So it takes away any morning voice inflammation. It shows them, hey, body, I really want you to connect super efficient today. So instead of taking my morning voice with me for the rest of the day, this voice here, I'm going to take a little bit more of this voice with me today. Wow. Okay. So let's give this a shot, Greg. (laughs) 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 Tell us how we're doing here. I'm going to try to do what you just did with the squeaky Mm -hmm. door. So it's something like, uh, uh, it's so good. Nailed it. Okay, cool. Nailed it. And then I'll I'll add one little tip here that says in the, in the exercise, we do not want to think up for high notes. So that's one of the other things that makes our instrument act a little wonky in the background. So if we actually take our hand and open it as if it's a door and watch it, we actually dissuade that up-down thinking and it actually comes out even better. Do you want to try that? Mm, what, say, say more about that. What do you mean about the up and down? Yeah, so the up and down. Yeah, this is a big one. So often when people think, I don't, I don't have vocal variety, I can't do high notes, or and I don't need to anyways, I'm a speaker. Well, when we ask questions, listen to that. Like, oh, you, right, I, right. I exaggerate. So we do use those high registers. Or if yeah. we're really excited, it might be up there, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I'm, yeah, who knows? Maybe you're really excited down here and that's just fine too. But <laughs> so what we want to do is make sure that we're not thinking up because if we're thinking up, the body has a, an amazing way of following direction. So if I think up for a high note, my whole body is going to move upwards Okay, so I might see my shoulders creep towards my ears, my chin might lift and my head looks towards the sky. And that seems like, okay, big deal. But everything is attached to everything like that song, the leg bone and the shin bone, right? Everything's Mm. connected to everything. So Everything is now tensing up and pulling around the vocal mechanism. So the number one thing that happens with the up thinking is that your larynx so the voice box itself jams up and it starts to get into this sound Mm. right so a a low larynx would be this sound where there's nothing really it's very like yawny but a Mm -hmm. high larynx is like this where it's being squeezed so (laughs) that's the up thinking that's what it does and so if you can use your hand and open that squeaky door and look sideways and then close it that actual visual representation counters that need to go up Okay, so I'm I'm mm-hmm. pretending right now that I'm holding a door, a yep. doorknob, and let's give this a shot and get ready, Greg, because you're up next. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, uh, I still so, feel my chin going up and down a yeah, little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to break. It's hard to break. Yeah. yeah, that's why we really we give the brain a bone. That's what I call that. So <laughs> it needs it, it's going to go. Oh, we're going high. Uh, and then it's going to shut off, right? So uh, uh, we're just making weird sounds and we're looking sideways. Yep. Mm. Sounds like you just had a soda there, Ryan. Or, <laughs> yeah. Or right. pop or soft up, drink, depending on what you call it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nicely done. So if I was to just work with you, Greg, for a second, I would say, let's get that grovelly sound uh, first. And then let's start from that place. Uh, uh. uh-huh. Uh, you're getting there. Yeah. Yep. You know, this is not super easy because so, some of us have forgotten and it's a weird sound too. Why, why would you walk around going, uh, you wouldn't, but, um, in the vocal world you do. 
But as everyday life, you you may not have ever heard this sound before. So all these exercises I'm giving to folks, you may have to do them a few times to even understand how to do them. And then you'll be able to receive the benefits after you you get you get them working. Oh, wow. This this has just been fantastic. And folks, if you've enjoyed this episode as much, obviously as much as we have, I encourage you to share it with everyone. You can find the Toastmasters podcast at toastmasterspodcast.com, toastmasters.org, Google, Apple, Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Ryan? And Jillian, before we let you go, can you share with us and our listeners a little bit about Voxana and how listeners can connect with you or maybe contact you if they'd like to ask you a follow-up question or maybe even get some coaching? Oh, sure. Well, I, I always love questions because I'm a person of questions myself. I always ask questions. I'm very curious. So email me or whatever. Connect. Let's connect. But yeah, you can find me on uh, my website, Voxana, V-O-X-S-A-N-A dot C-O. Um, I'm also on Facebook because I'm not up at the time. So that's all you'll find me. You won't find me on Instagram just yet. I'm working on it. But Facebook is at Voxana.co. And then my YouTube channel is at Voxana. So those are the best ways to get a hold of me. And my email is on my website. So I'm always game to talk to people about this conversation or any voice conversation. I'm a vocal nerd. So I'm, I'm into it. Awesome. Jillian Mitchell, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Oh, pleasure's all mine, guys. Thank you so much. Isn't it about time you publish that book you've been thinking about? We can help with that. At ebookit.com, we've been providing authors and small presses with ebook publishing services since 2010. Visit us today at ebookit.com and let us know how we can help you.